This is the Elevate Church Podcast. For a list of messages and for all updates about events and more information, check out our Instagram, Facebook, or visit elevate.city. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. There's a scripture uh, in John, um, John chapter 1, and it says that the Word already existed at the beginning. And it, what it's talking about there, now we have the written word, right? But what it's, what it's really equating that to is Jesus. He says that the word existed at the very beginning. And the word was with God and the word was God. And he created everything through him, right? Through the word. How did God create the heavens and the earth? He spoke, right? He spoke it into existence. And it says, but then that word became flesh. And that flesh was full of what? Do you guys know? Full of grace and truth, right? And Pastor Jeff has been speaking uh, here for the last several weeks on absolute truth. And we're gonna continue that this morning. We know that, uh, we know that, that truth is the cornerstone of what we do. So we're gonna continue in that. Um, very quickly, I have a photo to show you. Um, if they would just put that first photo up real quick. All right, so this is my grandmother. You can call her Nan. That's what I call her. Um, she is 93 years old, and I apologize for the picture. For whatever reason, I'm like leaning away. It looks like I'm getting ready to eat her or something. Like I'm, <clears throat> and you know what? So hey, let me. So my my wife abuses me a little bit, and she says that I have this smile. And I hope this is not. I don't even know which one it is, but she said I have a Disney World smile. Right? Sometimes when I take pictures, I look like I'm in Disney. I'm, I just look too happy. So now I'm always like thinking about my smile. Like every time I take a picture, like, is this too much? Is this enough? Right? So I don't know if, but anyway, this is my Nan. Okay. She's 93 years old. And, uh, and we learned a story about her, uh, just this, just this last spring, Megan and I were coming back up from Tennessee. We were driving and we were going past a place that we thought some of our family might be from. Right. And so we called my mom and we began to ask her and we learned this brand new story about Nan that I had never heard before. So when Nan was four years old, uh, her mom actually passed away. Okay. And she passed away from some complications during another childbirth. And come to find out, Nan never actually knew where her mom was buried, okay? And so she said, you know, one thing I'd really love to do is see my mom's grave one day, right? And she's, she's 93, so I, I told my mom, I said, look, let's research this a little bit. Let's figure out where this is, and let's go find this grave, right? Let's take Nan to, to, to her mom's grave. And so we start doing this research, and we get on Ancestry.com, and we're going through uh, Find a Grave, and we're going through all of these uh, different websites doing this research. And uh, we find out kind of about where she lives, and this kind of culminates into this trip that my mom and I uh, took down to Kentucky. And so we went to this area called Clay County, Kentucky. How many of you are familiar with Clay County, Kentucky? Anybody ever been there? One per, oh, it's Corey. All right, he's there. It's Corey, right? Caleb, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Caleb, okay, I'm sorry. So Caleb knows where Clay County, Kentucky is. Lovely little town, right? You kind of got to be careful on, you know, maybe some streets that you go down. Um, and so we found ourselves in this area. Uh, I want them to show the next picture. Uh, this is the house where we believe that my mom's mom actually lived, right? 
This is the house where my mom's mom, where we believe that she actually lived. And as we're going down this road, we continue down this path and the road gets like uh, uh, more and more difficult to pass, right? And I'm in this Nissan Altima, right? So we're like kicking into four wheel drive and we're going down this road and we end up coming to these signs and go ahead and show the next picture. Uh, and so this is what we start seeing everywhere, like no trespassing. And I kid you not, I don't know why I didn't get a picture of one, but one had a gun on it, right? And it just said, do not pass this point. And it just shows a picture of a gun, right? And so I'm like, maybe we shouldn't go any further. But we find out that actually some of my family actually lived a little further down the street, okay? So we're like, you know, do we keep on going? Do we not? And so we decide, my mom and I decide, we're going to park the car, right? So it doesn't look too intimidating. I don't know what, how better any, just two people walking up your driveway looks, right? But we decide that we're going to park the car and we start walking up this driveway and we end up knocking on this guy's door and we find out he is a relative of my mom and I won't go into all the details of how that they were connected. Um, but he ends up showing us this, this one picture and, and, and if you'll uh, go to the next one. And this is a picture of two of my relatives, okay? And they lived in this home, and actually there was a general store uh, in this home that they used to operate as well. And so he sends me this information. He sent me a bunch of other information. We're working with the Clay County Historical Society, right? We're trying to find out uh, where my great-grandmother is buried. But I get home, and I'm looking at this picture, and, and I start thinking about these two people, right, that are on the front porch. And I'm thinking, like, you know, what was their life like? And what were their stories? And, you know, what did they go through in life? And, and I realize, like, I know nothing about these people, right? Now, this is my family. And, and not very far removed, right? This is not uh, uh, that long ago for me to absolutely know nothing about these people. And for whatever reason, I start going down this road, right? I start researching the family more, and I start researching even what's going on in the nation at that time a little bit more, and I start researching things in pop culture, and somehow I get on the Oscars, and then I start researching the Grammys, and that's where I ended up, right? Don't ask me why, but I start... Uh, getting seriously interested in like the beginning of the Grammys. Okay, everybody knows what the Grammys are, right? The music awards. By the way, if you don't know this, um, this is an interesting bit of trivia for you. The Grammys were first called, does anybody know the name that they were first called? Anybody? No? They were called the Gramophone Awards um, because I guess a gramophone was the big thing with the, you know, the funnel on the end of it, right, that you could record music into and it eventually would evolve to become what we now know as a record player. But that, they, they, they were, event, they were uh, originally called the Gramophone Awards, so if anybody ever tells you that they're going to watch the Grammys, you can say, oh, I know a little fact about that, and then, you know, those, then they'll hate you because you're that person. But the Grammys, I started looking this up, and uh, they started in 1959. And I want just to get a show of hands in here of who has ever heard this name. I'm going to tell you the first uh, new artist award winner. Uh, and just and, and hopefully we've got, you know, a different mix of demographic and ages in here. And so hopefully some of you have heard these names, but maybe not. We'll find out. Okay, so in 1959, the first new artist was Bobby Darren. Has anybody ever heard of Bobby Darren? Okay, a couple of you. All right. In 1962, it was Peter Nero. Raise your hand. All right, couple of you. 
Okay, how about Ward Swingle? Nobody. Okay, how about, by the way, Bobby Darren's record, if anybody remembers this, was Mac the Knife. I don't even know what that means, but it's called Mac the Knife. How about, I'll, I'll do two more. 1966 was Tom Jones. Raise your hand. Okay, a few more. 1969 was Jose Feliciano. Anybody? Okay, a couple. All right, so, so, I, so don't ask me why I started going down this list, right? But this was fascinating to me because, now, to be fair, there were a few names on the list that I recognized, but I'll say the vast majority of these people, I had no clue, right? And this was 50 years ago. And so I started thinking about this, and I started thinking about how, how these 50 years ago were the most famous people on planet Earth. And I've never even heard their name. Right? Now, we all want to leave a legacy, right? And we all want to, uh, uh, you know, leave a, a lasting memory of why we were here and we did something and we created something. But it really got me thinking a little bit on, on why am I here? And what's my purpose? And, and, and I guess this is the ultimate question. What's going to last? Right? What am I doing today that is going to last, that is going to make an impact on somebody 50 years from now or 100 years from now? Or how about when we're in eternity? Because these were the biggest names on the earth at that time, and I've not heard of any of them, the ones that I just listed. And I'd say maybe 10% of you have heard of a few of them. So there's this real uh, tempting uh, mindset that we can get into, like kind of like we're going to live forever. You know, I go to work, and some of you go to work, and some of you go to school, and you're hanging out with people around you, right? And we're talking about the problems that are going on, not only in the nation, but just in our regular lives, right? Those are the things that kind of consume our, our thoughts most of the time. And, and, and really, there's this kind of mindset like, we're going to be here forever, right? Like, it's just going to kind of continue on like this. But, you know, this really brought some things into perspective to me that it's not going to continue on like this. And, and one day, I'm not going to be here, right? Uh, show this last picture. Uh, this was a screenshot uh, between a friend and I. And so this was in March. I worked with this guy for about a year and a half in my last position. His name's Matt. And, uh, and, and he started having some complications in his breathing, right? This is at the end of March. So we're thinking COVID, right? We're, we're thinking that the first thing. But he ends up going to the hospital. He gets checked out. He doesn't have COVID. And uh, uh, they put him on some steroids. And so I text him, hey, how are you feeling? He says, look, the steroids are helping out. He says, look, let's get together for lunch. Or maybe we can do dinner one day after work. Absolutely for sure. This is a Friday night that I text him, and then the next morning, my boss calls me, and, and Matt had passed away. And he wasn't even 30 years old, right? But I got to thinking about how we just think, like, this, you know, what's always been, like, this is going to kind of continue on forever, right? And it's hard to think about our own mortality, and it's hard to, hard to think about the fact that we're finite. But there's a scripture in Psalms 103, it says, our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and die. And the wind blows and, and we're gone as though we had never been here. Now, now listen, I don't want to bring everybody, right? The point of this is not to bring everybody into a stupor and a depression, right? And everybody goes home like, God, I can't wait for Jeff to get back, <laughs> right? 
the point of this is to say, look, we got to make sure that what we're doing on this earth is going to matter in eternity. Because everything that you're doing today, the Bible says that we're going to stand and we're going to give an account to it. Now, if, look, if you're a believer, that's, there, there are two different judgments. And I'm not going to get into all the theology of this, but there, there's, there's one judgment that says, hey, you're in or you're out, right? And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're in, period. But the Bible says that there's another judgment about rewards and loss of rewards. That we're going to come before the throne and God's going to say, look, here's the purpose I had for you. And here's where I wanted you to be. And here are the people that I wanted you to touch. And here's what you did. And you know what the Bible says? It says it's going to be great and terrible. It says that there's going to be weeping on that day. You know what? I don't want to look back. When I get to that place, I don't want to look back and say, Lord, you had so much more for me. I could have done so much more. And I know that these are sobering words, but I'm, I'm going to be honest. Jesus had some sobering words. You know, he had some truths that didn't make sense. And Pastor Jeff has been talking about some of those, right? Some of the things that he said. And I'll be honest, Jesus says some things that are completely counter to human intellect, right? Like, um, like uh, the one who is first is going to be last, and the one who's last is going to be first, right? If you want to uh, be exalted, then you humble yourself. If you, if you exalt yourself, then you're going to be humbled, right? All of these things that are kind of counter to what we think. He even says this phrase that the one who believes on me will never die. And he confuses everybody there, right? They're talking about death. And we understand today that he's, there are two deaths, right? There's the physical death here on this earth. And then there's the spiritual death, right? Eternity, talking heaven and hell. We understand that today. But he confused everybody there at the time. He says this one piece. He says, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And I'll be back. And he says, if it weren't true, I'd tell you. That, so this statement just blows my mind, right? Who says that? Look, I'm going to tell you something. If it weren't true, I'd tell you, right? So, so I always think about, like, if you put Jesus' words in today, right? If I went to go, you know, purchase something, if I, if I, if I went to go buy a used car, right, and the used car dealer comes out and he says, you know, hey, it runs great. You know, it's a champ, and he says, if it weren't true, I'd tell you, right? No, most of us have to have a factual basis for what we believe, right? We have to have a knowledge about what we believe. And Jesus comes and he claims to be this immutable truth. And unfortunately, immutable truth in a postmodern culture doesn't always work, right? Because there are people who say, well, there's your truth and then there's my truth, right? Truth is subjective. There, there are things that are right for you that may not be right for me. There are things that are right for me that may not be right for you. But I'll tell you, when you get into issues of morality and of philosophy, that all breaks down very quickly, right? I'm going to give you an example. Uh, two nights ago, I was laying in bed and I was reading an article. This was a transcript from a TED talk from an individual who was making the claim that pedophilia should be a, a recognized uh, sexual orientation. So, so, that t so to be fair, he goes on and he says, he says now, now look, any relationships or abuse, that's just wrong. But, but at that point, right, in the article, I'm thinking like, wrong like, how can you say anything is wrong, right? Maybe it's wrong for you. Maybe it's not wrong for someone else. 
there was a quote from the late apologist Ravi Zacharias, and he said, you know, to some, some cultures, it's good to love your neighbor. To some cultures, it's good to eat your neighbor, right? Depends on where you are. Because if everybody's making up their own morality and their own philosophy, well, then, you know, what's right to you may not be right to somebody else. And so you have this breakdown, right? You have this breakdown in culture. And uh, there's, a, there's a quote from Richard Dawkins. He's a, he's a famed uh, atheist and, and evolutionist. And he says, he, said, he, he makes this phrase that we're all just dancing to our own DNA, right? What you were, were created to do, what you were pre-wired to do, right? That there's a right for you and it may not be right for everybody else, but it's plain to see. And I'm not just talking from a religious worldview. From any worldview that you look at, you see that there, there, there is a tipping point coming, right? There's a crisis point on its way. It took 1,900 years from the time of Christ for man to develop the technology to get faster than a horse. 1,900 years, but if you look at research today, it shows that human knowledge doubles about every 13 months. See, everything's speeding up, right? And it's on this way to a point. And the Bible describes it like this. It says, in the last day, the earth is going to cry out for the return of the Lord. And I believe we're close. I believe we're very close. There's a, uh, there's a pretty famous scene in the Bible where Jesus is standing before Pilate and Pilate asks him, he says, are you the king of the Jews? And he says, you say that I'm a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. And Pilate returns the question to him and he says, he says, what is truth? You know, people have been asking these questions for thousands of years, right? What is truth? Where is God? Can I know him? Is it possible? Is it possible to know what he thinks about me? Is it possible to know his intentions towards me? Is it possible to know what plans that he has for me? Is there any way for me to have a relationship with him, a loving relationship? And there was a man in the Bible who was asking himself these very questions. His name is Jacob, and we're going to read about him. It's kind of a bizarre story. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, it's in Genesis chapter 28. So if you have your Bible or uh, the app on your phone, we're also going to show it on the screens. But I'll set this up here. First of all, let me just say, Jacob is one of my least favorite stories in the Bible. Like everything about him, when I read it, I just cringe, right? Because he is this swindler and the Bible calls him a supplanter. And he is this uh, just, uh, he, he operates, he's just no good. That's the, that's the way I'll say it. And he probably, honestly, I probably hate it because it reminds me of me and it reminds me of just mankind, right? I have my own motives and my own things that are in my head and sometimes they're not right and sometimes they're wrong. But God comes in somehow and blesses Jacob anyway and gives him favor. And God shows up on the scene in chapter 28 and he gives him this vision. It says, uh, we'll start in verse 11. Uh, do you guys have that scripture? Okay, and he says, uh, at sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp, and he stopped there for the night. And Jacob found a stone to rest his head against, and he lay down to sleep. And as he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down on the stairway. All right. Now, Jacob has this vision. We commonly refer to it today as Jacob's ladder, right? He has this vision of this stairway or, or a ladder uh, going from heaven to earth, and these angels are coming up and down, and God has interaction with what's going on on the earth, and the people on earth have interaction with what's going on in heaven, right? 
So verse 13, it says, and at the top of the stairway stood the Lord and he said, I'm the Lord, the God of your grandfather, Abraham, and the God of your father, Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. It was spread out in all directions to the west and to the east and the north and south. And all of the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. You know that we have a blessing through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob today? Because of our faith, we have a blessing in this right here. Uh, What's more, verse 15, what's more, I am with you and I will protect you wherever you go. Wouldn't you love to hear the Lord say that this morning? Hey, look, I'm with you and I'm gonna protect you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything that I have promised to you. Now, look, Jacob doesn't have a Bible at this time, right? This is not, this is not post-Bible. He has no way of reading and learning about the character of God. And so all of a sudden, the sky opens up, and this guy in the sky shows up to him, and he begins talking to him about his future and the things that he's going to do and the promises that he has towards him. And he shows him this ladder, right? He shows him this open portal uh, between heaven and earth where angels are going up and down, and these two worlds have collided. How many of you have Amazon Prime? Okay, it's important, right? We have Amazon Prime, and there are these videos on there, and they're kind of cheesy, I'm going to be honest, right? But they're, they're, they're good, they're informational, right? And it's on eschatology, it's on like the end times, right? And so for whatever reason, I have an 11 and an 8-year-old, and they have gotten into, I don't even know how they started watching these, um, but they started watching these videos on eschatology, right? And it's like talking about the end times and like it comes up in random places. I heard Ezra say something last night. We'll be in like a, a restaurant and, you know, if there's a bug or something, he'll be like, dad, that's like the uh, sixth seal of revelation. And like, yeah, right? This comes up in the weirdest places, right? But, but eschatology and, and the end times, uh, th- these are prophetic things, right? And used to, now, now we've got this guy named Abner coming. Uh, Drew, when's he coming? Do you know? Uh, he's coming, right? He's coming. How many of you have heard Abner before? Raise your hand. Okay, so Abner, God uses him in a really prophetic way, right? God opens up some things to him and like shows him some revelation on some things that when he talks, I'm just like, Wow, that's incredible, right? So he's coming and God uses him prophetically. But back in the 80s, and I I actually heard a preacher the other day talking about this. Back in the 80s, when you said prophetic conference, that wasn't what it meant, right? It was really talking about the end times. So everybody would get together and they would start studying Revelation and the rapture and the second coming and then the tribulation and then uh, the thousand year reign and all of these things that were gonna happen in the end times. That was what, right? I see a couple of people nodding your heads. That was what a prophetic, prophetic conference was all about back then. But, but I'll say this, one of the negative sides to that was it bred almost this escapism, right? Where, look, if we can just hang on till the rapture comes, right? That's all we got to do. Let's lock the doors and stay inside of our little bubble and we'll be in here and we'll be safe from the mean old world out there. And once the rapture comes and the trumpet blows, we're all going to be fine, right? And, and Christians and the church, for a large part, retreated from, from some very important segments of society, like we mentioned the teachers earlier, like Hollywood, 
like politics. There were some real important areas that that escapism had kind of a negative effect, I would say, on culture, right? And so, and, 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 and so when, you, when you see this uh, with Jacob coming down here, right, and, and, and God actually is opening up the heavens and having this ladder, this staircase, whatever you want to call it, where angels are coming up and down, and he says, look, I have everything to do with what you're doing there on earth. In fact, when the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, Lord, Lord, teach us how to pray. He says, okay, pray like this. Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name, right? Praise. He says, your kingdom come, right? Your will be done. What does he say? He says, on earth, just like it is in heaven. See, it's our job to partner in relationship with the Holy Spirit to invoke his kingdom and to invoke his will right here on the earth. That's what he wants, right? So I'm gonna drop a couple of truths on you real quick, okay? There's four of them, and you can write these down, or if you've got a phone, you put them in your phone. The first one is God wants you to have hope, okay? Now, look, I know that things are crazy out there, and we've got COVID going on, right? And race relations in this country are not in a good place, right? There are a lot of things that look bleak on the scale, but I promise you, this should be the church's finest hour. This should be where we raise up and we offer a hope to the rest of the world. But in order to offer that hope to the rest of the world, we got to have that hope ourselves, right? And we got to be able to show them a picture of what life can look like. We got to show them a picture of what unity can look like. See, if you can just show somebody a picture of hope, if you can just show somebody a picture of what, what they might be able to live like and what they might be able to experience. There was this study I read about years ago, or, or actually I heard about. Uh, they took these buckets and they put mice in these. It's kind of a sadistic uh, uh, story, really, but uh, there's a point to it, believe me, right? They've got these buckets full of swirling water and they put these mice in these buckets to see how long they would swim before they, they, they ended up giving up. And they did these and, and on average, these mice would swim for 15 minutes. Right, this is terrible, right? I don't even know why I'm saying this, right? These mice would swim for 15 minutes before they would ultimately give up. But then they did this second study, which is even worse, right? They did the second study where they took these buckets of mice and they did the same thing. But right before the 15 minute mark, they took these mice out and they put them on dry ground and they got them all dry and let them rest for a minute. And then they put them back in the bucket to see what they would do. You know how long they swam? Oh, I know. Everybody's saying, oh, it's the same people that are saying, oh, and everything. Like if there was a mouse in here right now, you'd be out the back door, right? You know what the mice did the second time? after they'd had that little glimpse of what it could be like to be on dry ground again, they swam for an average of 60 hours. They went from 15 minutes to 60 hours on average. And, and that gives you a, a little snapshot. The, the writers of the study were, were making the example that, look, if we can show them hope, if we can show them what life can be like, it's, it's going to give them hope to press on. It's going to give them hope to continue. When the world looks like it's lost, when the world looks like it's never been in a worse situation, look, this is the time for the church to shine. Point number two, you, say I, was created for a purpose. Say it one more time like you believe it. Say I was created for a purpose. Listen, you were created for a purpose. He has a plan 
and a purpose specifically for you that before the foundations of the earth, he said he knew you. He knew exactly who you were. He knew how he was going to make you. You know, some of you, some of you may think, well, I've got this, this, this character deflect, uh, defect and I've got something wrong with me that I'm never going to be able to get through. You know what? God made you like you are for a reason. And he's going to use you for his purposes and for his glory. Point number three, I want to go through these very quickly. Uh, number three, God has a plan for you. You know, he says to the exiles in Jeremiah, he says, I've given you a future and a hope. I know the plans that I have for you. You know, I believe some people, sometimes you go into a business, right? And you'll see on the wall, you'll see like a mission statement, right? And a mission statement's good. Um, It's, hey, why we exist, why I wake up in the morning, why I come to work, right? This is the, the, the point of me being here. But then sometimes you'll see a vision statement. And I love to see vision statements because vision statements are a little bit different. This is a snapshot of my life or my business or whatever in six months or a year or five years from now. You know what? I would encourage you. I have one of these, believe it or not. uh, I would encourage you to just keep some kind of little document somewhere and say, you know what? In a year, I want my life to look a little bit more like this. I want my marriage to look a little bit more like this. I want my finances I want my spiritual life, I want my just life in general to have a little bit of a different trajectory. Because if you write that vision down and you make it plain, God's gonna seal it in your heart and he's gonna put his spirit behind your actions. The steps that you take in order to get there, he's gonna, he's gonna blow his breath on it and he's gonna exponentially multiply your efforts. Amen? Number four, the plan that he has for you is bigger than what you can accomplish. And I would challenge you with this. If your plan is not bigger than what you can accomplish, there's probably a pretty good chance it wasn't from God. Because see, he wants you depending on him. He wants you asking for that daily bread. He wants you depending on his spirit. We're gonna read a story uh, and I'm going to close after this. This is in John uh, chapter one. If you, if you still have your phones out, turn to John chapter one. And it's this story about uh, this guy named Nathaniel. And he's not mentioned a whole lot in the Bible. And we'll get into that here in just a second. Um, but this is a kind of a crazy story. You know, Jesus is going around. He's just been introduced. This is after John the Baptist uh, uh, is out there baptizing people. And Jesus comes up and he says, it's the Lamb of God, right? He comes in. He wants to be baptized. And then Uh, Philip and all of these guys who Jesus would ultimately call as his disciples show up there on the scene. And one of these guys was Nathanael, okay? We're gonna pick up in John chapter one, uh, verse 45. It says, Philip went to look for Nathanael and he told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. Now listen, they've been waiting for this guy for a long, long time, right? And, and so Philip comes to him, he says, look, we found him, a very important person, the very one that Moses and the prophets told us about. Verse 46, oh, he says, he tells him he came from Nazareth. Verse 46, Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael, can anything good come from Nazareth? He says, come and see for yourself, Philip replied. Verse 47, as they approached, Jesus says to him, now, now they're coming from afar off, right? And Jesus says, Now, here is a genuine son of Israel. 
Now, it's important to note right here. We're going we're gonna to pause for just a moment because Jacob, the guy who we talked about that was a supplanter and a deceiver and this yeah, guy, cringeworthy guy, right? There, there, he has another crazy incident with God where God ends up, you may have heard about it, he wrestles with him, right? And he actually dislocates his hip and he says, look, I'm going to change your name from Jacob, from supplanter, from deceiver. I'm going to change it to Israel, which is where we get the nation of Israel today. And so it's interesting that Jesus says to this guy, Nathaniel, he says, now here is a genuine son, not of Jacob. He doesn't say of Jacob. He says, this is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. Now, Jacob wasn't a man of complete integrity. Well, once God changes him, changes his name, changes his nature, now Nathaniel is the son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. Verse 48 says, how do you know about me? Nathanael asked. And Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip even found you. Verse 49, then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. You know something interesting here? Nathanael was the very first person recorded to ever confess his belief that Jesus was the son of God. And he ends up, so uh, now a lot of people, so, so God, uh, Jesus calls Nathanael to be his disciple, okay? And a lot of people, a lot of scholars believe that Nathanael was the same guy as Bartholomew. And I won't get into all the name stuff. We don't have time for that this morning. A lot of people believe that he's the same uh, guy. And Nathanael ends up taking a transcript of Matthew's gospel to what we now know as Northern India. And so he's responsible for much of the early church and what we now call Northern India. And it all starts right here in this encounter. Jesus says, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip found you. You know what? Can I just pause for a second right there and just say that Jesus sees you? I don't know who needs to hear that this morning. But I just want you to know that Jesus sees you. He sees exactly where you are. You know, all the disciples were in that boat and the waves were crashing and the wind is coming and, and Jesus is down there asleep in the boat. I love that story. They said, Jesus, do you not care that we perish? Like, do you not see all of this going on? Do you not see that my family member's sick? Do you not see that our nation is in the state that it's in? Do you not see that my job is in trouble, that I'm stressed out? that my kids aren't, aren't, aren't doing what, that our relationships are falling apart. Do you not see my marriage? I just want you to know he sees you this morning. He knows exactly where you are. And listen, he isn't up there worried about your situation. He has the perfect answer. Verse 50 says, Jesus asked him, do you believe, you remember he said, he said, he said, hey, I believe you're the son of God. He said, do you believe this because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? He says, you're gonna see greater than this. In verse 51, he says, I tell you the truth. Now there that is again, right? I'm gonna tell you something and it's gonna be the truth. He says, I tell you the truth. You will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down 
on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. And where did we see that? Jesus is describing Jacob's ladder. He's describing this scene that Jacob saw, that he longed for, that he yearned for, where heaven and earth are now connected and God actually cares. He, he cares about what's going on in the affairs of men. And not only that, but he's gonna intervene on what's going on in the affairs of men. And it's through the prayers of people like you and I who engage the Holy Spirit and who partner with him to invoke his will and his kingdom here on the earth. He says, the son of man is the stairway between heaven and earth. I want to tell you guys just a couple of things this morning. Number one, I, I know that we're going through some difficult times. We can't take away from that. But you know, Jesus wasn't in the bottom of that boat. He, he wasn't sleeping because he didn't care. He was sleeping because, because the work was already done. The work was already finished. He had it in complete control and they... He knew that if they just stuck with him, they'd be just fine. This morning, he sees your situation, and I want to promise you, if you just stick with Jesus, you're going to be just fine. I want to encourage some of you to just rest. You know, when Jacob saw this vision, he, he, he wasn't doing anything on his own. It says he laid down, he went to sleep, and God opens this up to him, this whole vision. Jesus is in the bottom of the boat. He's at complete peace. He isn't worried about the storm that's going on around him. He isn't worried about the waves that are crashing. He isn't worried that they're going to be found in the bottom of the ocean. No, he knows that his father has them perfectly in his hands. God's got a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. He wants you to have hope. And this morning, I believe he's gonna to begin to reveal it to us. Would you just stand with me uh, all over this room? Listen, we've been praying for revival in the American church for 20 years now. And now we get up to a situation where we've got a nationwide pandemic and we've got racial tensions all across America and, and my, I'll be honest, my first response is to cry out, why God, why is all this going on? And what's, what's happening here? But you know what he's doing? He's gonna use everything that the devil meant for evil and everything that he meant for bad. And I promise you, watch, he is gonna turn it around for our good. The Bible says in Romans 8 that all things work together for the good of the ones who love him and are called according to his purpose. Do you love him this morning? Are you called according to his purpose? Then it's gotta work out for your good. That's what the Bible promises and that's what the Bible says. Listen, I believe he's gonna bring a revival through this. I believe he's gonna bring people to him who never even knew that they were looking for him. But, but in order for that to happen, the church has to have hope. The church has to have peace. The Bible says that he's the Prince of Peace. And if we're walking around like our hands, you know, ringing all the time and, and we're sweating and we're, we're worried and Lord, don't you care that we perish and we're posting it on Facebook and we're putting it out there everywhere for everybody to see that we're panicked. He wants us to be at peace. He wants you to have peace this morning.
And so I'd ask you this, would you just close your eyes with me for a minute? We're gonna do something. First of all, I wanna ask everybody in this room, just with nobody looking around, if, if there's anybody who doesn't know this great peace, if there's anybody here who doesn't have Jesus in their hearts, living and walking with them, would you do me a favor? Would you just raise your hand? We're just gonna pray a quick prayer together. Just raise your hand up real quickly where you are. Listen, we're all gonna pray this prayer together. Just say, Lord, be merciful to us. Bless us and make your face shine on us. Lord, forgive me of anything in my life that's contrary to your spirit. I believe you have a will for me. You have a purpose for me. You have a plan for me. And you have peace for me. Now listen, if you just need that Prince of Peace, if you need peace in your life this morning, if you need purpose in, in your life this morning, if you want God to begin to reveal the plan that he has for you this morning, I promise you he will if you ask him. He said, if you come asking for a good gift, I'm gonna give it to you. Thanks for listening to Elevate Church Podcast. We'd love to have you join us for service on Sundays or at a dinner party on Friday nights. Check out our Facebook, Instagram, or website at elevate.city for more information.